announced the way, spoke of Jesus, the coming Messiah. And the good news is, all of those feasts have been fulfilled. All of those prophecies have been fulfilled in that first coming of Jesus when he came to earth uh, to minister and to bring salvation. Today, we're going to move the, the Jewish calendar ahead now, about four months, to the next feast. We step into now the fall feasts. And that begins with the Feast of Trumpets. The Feast of Trumpets, also known more commonly today as Rosh Hashanah. Which, I don't know if you know this, but Rosh Hashanah is, is literally translated head of the year. Or New Year's Day. According to that calendar. Okay? So... To begin today, let's read how God first ordained this feast to take place, right? Who first called it. We're going to read two different passages of Scripture. Um, the, the first place that God called for it was in Leviticus 23, verses 23 through 25. Leviticus 23, verse 23 to 25. If you have your Bible, you can turn to it. Otherwise, the verses will be on the screen. It says, The Lord said to Moses, Say to the Israelites, on the first day of the seventh month, you are to have a day of Sabbath rest, a sacred assembly commemorated with trumpet blasts. Do no regular work, but present a food offering to the Lord. Additionally, if we look at Numbers 29, verses 1 through 6, we get an even more detailed description. Of, of what was the, were the requirements for the Feast of Trumpets. Numbers 29, verses 1 to 6 says, On the first day of the seventh month, hold a sacred assembly and do no regular work. It is a day for you to sound the trumpets. As an aroma pleasing to the Lord, offer a burnt offering of one young bull, one ram, and seven male lambs a year old, all without defect. With the bull, offer a grain offering of three-tenths of an ephah of the finest flour mixed with olive oil. With the ram, two-tenths, and with each of the seven lambs, one-tenth. Include one male goat as a sin offering to make atonement for you. These are in addition to the monthly and daily burnt offerings, along with their grain offerings and drink offerings as specified. They are food offerings presented to the Lord, a pleasing aroma. Okay, so now in the Jewish calendar, the seventh month of the year, the one that this is specified to happen on the first day of, is a month called Tishri. Tishri. I know it doesn't sound like, you know, January, February, March. You know, it's Tishri. Okay, T-I-S-H-R-I, -I, Tishri. Okay, now in the Jewish calendar... As one would expect, remember we had the spring feasts, which sort of spoke to renewal and growing, you know, the, okay, the, fir the first fruits of the harvest. And so then what happens after the first fruits? Well, you're kind of into the summer, right? You're through the rest of the growing season and the harvesting time. Okay, so now we're now moving into Tishri. And Tishri, you, the, the month of Tishri generally falls... Uh, kind of late September, early October. 
Somewhere, you know, in the in latter September, earliest October is when, because of the lunar calendar which they followed, that will it will land on. Okay, so it's always you know, obviously toward the end of the agricultural cycle. Okay, and so the the Feast of Trumpets was directed by God to be celebrated on the first of Tishri, first day of Tishri, and its purpose then was to offer a signal to the end of the growing season. Okay, an end of that season. The most significant aspect of the feast, as we read, was the blowing of trumpets. According to Jewish scholars, uh, the horns and trumpets were blown in Jerusalem from morning till evening. Okay, a lot of horns. A lot of horns. Okay, throughout the Old Testament, horns were used as a type of alarm. It was blown to call the people's attention to something. It was a call to action. In this case, it was blown to indicate the end of the growing season and to announce the beginning of a 10-day period of consecration and repentance. The trumpets were blown to call God's people to repent from their sins. Now, tradition states that a priest would be chosen who would blow the shofar, the ram's horn. He would stand in a row of priests who each had silver trumpets. The shofar would sound a long blast, and that would be followed by 100 short blasts by, by the silver trumpets. And that would be made over the temple sacrifices of that day. The, the feast was a solemn day. No regular work was to be done. It was to be filled with soul-searching, a time of forgiveness and repentance and remembering God's judgment as well as a time of joyful celebration because remember, it's the head of the year. It's New Year's Day and looking forward to God's mercy and favor on, on the year that was to come. It's a very interesting day, the first of Tishri. When you start to look at what the in rabbinical teachings and, and, and the documents, uh, historically the rabbis a lot of stuff happened on the first of Tishri, according to Jewish teaching. The first of Tishri, the, the Feast of Trumpets, according to the rabbis, was also the date of creation. Okay? It was the day that, also the date that Adam was created. It was the date that Samuel was born. It was the day that the temple was first dedicated. And in the Mishnah, it also speaks of it as the day of judgment when all men will pass before their Creator in the same way that sheep are examined by their shepherd. Orthodox Jews on this day offer a specific prayer. And that prayer is found in Micah chapter 7, verses 18 through 20. Their prayer says, Who is a God like you, who pardons sins and forgives the transgressions of the remnant of His inheritance? You do not stay angry forever, but you delight to show mercy. You again, you will again have compassion on us. You will tread our sins underfoot and hurl all our iniquities into the depths of the sea. You will be faithful to Jacob and show love to Abraham as you pledged on oath to our ancestors in days long ago. In modern times, since temple sacrifices have ended, 
the traditional meal that we read earlier about the sacrifices have been modified. Okay, and so now uh, the traditional meals associated with Rosh Hashanah uh, include a, a round challah bread. Okay, around, and if you've ever had challah bread, it's very good. It's very good. I encourage you, try some. A round challah bread with apple slices dipped in honey. And the, yeah, and the apple slices, the, the dipping of the apple slices in honey was to symbolize uh, God's provision and hope for the sweetness of the year to come. But as we said earlier, finally, the most significant event that was associated with the Feast of Trumpets is that that's tied to the second coming of Jesus. Now, before we get exactly into how Jesus is the fulfillment of this feast, I want to, and, and, and what's going to point to his return, I need to call your attention to one verse that's really very interesting in the scriptures. And it's actually just prior to the verses in Leviticus that we read this morning. If you go back in your Bibles, if you have them, to Leviticus 23, if you, if you look at Leviticus 23 and you start and just glance at your, at your Bibles at, at verses 1 through 21, okay, what you'll find, um, it, all of the previous feasts of the Lord had, you know, we talked about them, they had their prophetic fulfillment in Jesus and the giving of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost, but all of these fulfilled feasts are found in Leviticus 23, verses 1 through 21. Okay? Now, if you remember this morning, we read starting with verse 23. That leaves Leviticus 23, verse 22, standing alone. So why is it there? We believe God's word is perfect and infallible, if it's there, it's there for a reason. So let's read verse 22. Okay? Leviticus 23, verse 22 says, When you reap the harvest of the land, do not reap to the very edges of your field, or gather the gleanings of your harvest. Leave them for the poor and the foreigner residing among you. I am the Lord your God. I have a question for you. What do you think that verse is all about? Why do you think it's there between, one, between Pentecost and between the Feast of Trumpets? It wouldn't seem to have anything to do with either one, would it? Why do you think it's there? Anybody? It's a hard one, isn't it? Yeah, it's a hard one. Okay, so... This verse represents, right now, the times that we're in. It represents the church age. And it's been going on for about 2,000 years. Ever since Pentecost, right up till today. It's the time that was set aside by God for the gospel to be preached to the Gentiles. By the way, that's all of us. Right? In, in the world at that time... If you take everybody in the world, in the biblical times, there were Jews and there were Gentiles. They didn't care whether you were from Texas or Oklahoma or, or France. 
or do you understand? You are either a Jew or you are a Gentile. That was everybody else. Okay? Paul referred um, to this in Romans 11, verse 25. In Romans 11, 25, it says, I do not want you to be ignorant of this mystery, brothers and sisters, so that you may not be conceited. Israel has experienced a hardening in part until the full number of Gentiles has come in. Paul details this further later in Romans, uh, that this interlude was to make the, the Jewish people, Israel, jealous and to lead to their ultimate salvation as they became to, you know, came to realize Jesus as the Messiah. So that word foreigner in verse 22 is you and me, the Gentiles. Now, to really fully understand exactly how that, got, you know, how that meant, a great example of this verse would be explained in the book of Ruth, in the Old Testament book of Ruth, and we won't read that whole passage today, but it's, this, it's the account of where Boaz... Okay, when, when Ruth, right, they, when they came back at, from uh, Moab and, and Boaz, a Jew, provided for Ruth, a Gentile, by telling his harvesters not to reap all the way to the edge of the field, but to leave, to leave grain. They called it the gleanings, to leave, to leave it on the ground so that it would be available for her. It would be available for her. He made, it, he made it available to her. So for those of us who have become followers of Jesus, we can thank God. We should thank God. The Le- Leviticus 23, verse 22, is a part of God's Word. <laughs> right? Because we've been the beneficiaries of those gleanings. Of those gleanings that God has made available to us. As I said a few moments ago, this next event now in God's calendar, the Feast of Trumpets, and the the most significant part of that for us prophetically is its association with the second coming of, of, of Jesus, right? And so we've seen that the Feast of Trumpets, we read, was on the first of Tishri, right? It's to be held on the first of Tishri. Now, that date is... Is, a, is determined, like when, and this is why it's like late, is it late September, early October when the month begins? Okay, that date, this, the exact date, is determined based on the arrival of a new moon. Okay, now, because, think about this. People in those days, the arrival of a new moon. How would you know that the new moon had arrived? You look in the sky. You have to see it. Okay? Now, because, but think about this. It's not clear every day. No, I mean, this is just real practical stuff. It's not clear every day. All right? So, because of clouds, which could obscure the moon, it was often difficult to determine exactly when the new moon occurred. And since the exact time of the observance of the new moon could vary based on locations, I mean, what if it's clear here but cloudy over there? Do you see what I mean? All right? 
the rabbis would say that no one could know the exact day or hour. Does that sound familiar? Does that ring a bell? The, the rabbis would say that nobody could know the exact day or hour that this would happen. So traditionally, the observance took place over those two days. Okay? All right, so does anybody know what that reminds you of? Yeah, what does that, that saying remind you of? The coming of Jesus, right? We know. Because in Matthew 24, 36, what did Jesus say? He said of his own coming, he said, but about that day or hour, no one knows. Not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. Okay, so as we said earlier, the most significant part of that observance is the blowing of the shofar, the ram's horn. Remember that the trumpet was to be blown for, if, if, if you go back and read all that, the month before Tishri is the month of Elul, E-L-U-L, okay? And, and in fact, as you go back and read that, the trumpet was to be blown uh, every day of that month leading up, except for the day just prior till just prior, okay? Except for the day just before Rosh Hashanah. And then on those two days, it's blown again each day, as I said earlier, the, the, long, the long sound with the 100 notes following, okay? And so, and, and then, so there are verses, and we won't read it, because it's a whole different topic, okay, than we're really about today. But you can read in Revelation that just before the trumpet of God sounds, it, it talks about in Revelation, I think it's chapter 8, 30 minutes of silence. And then the trumpet sounds. The trumpets are blown every day, and there's one day of silence. And then, okay, that's a lot, you know, there's a lot here. <laughs> there's a lot here. 1 Corinthians 15, 51 and 52 says, Listen, I will tell you a mystery. We will not all fall asleep, but we will all be changed. It says, in a flash, with the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. The passage clearly tells us that the return of Jesus will be associated with the last trumpet. 1 Thessalonians 4, verses 16 and 17 go on, and they say, For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet call of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the air to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. Okay, as a result of this, I would say God's word gives us a lot of confidence that it would seem that Jesus' second coming will correspond to the, fall, to the fall feasts, to the Feast of Trumpets. In that, in that every, the, the, the spring feasts that we've studied, Jesus not only fulfilled those feasts in his coming, but as you remember when we studied each one, he actually fulfilled them on the day of the feast. It's not just that it got done, it got done precisely on the day of the feast. We can't know, I, I'm, but, but God seems to be a God of order. 
And when, when, when the, the spring feasts are all fulfilled by Jesus prophetically on the day of the feast, I think it's fair to at least believe that it might be that Jesus would return on the Feast of the Trumpets, on Rosh Hashanah, the head of the year, the new year. But here's the thing. Even if Jesus does return on Rosh Hashanah, we don't know the year. We don't know, the and we don't know the precise day. Okay? But, but we can have a sense of, of, of its coming near. God's made that clear. Look, probably there are a fair number of us that might believe we're kind of in the end times. Okay? Today's teaching may have given you even more to look forward to about that with some, some things maybe you haven't known before about this feast and how it's tied to Jesus' second coming. But you know what the real question is? The real question is, what should we do in light of what we know? What should we do in light of what we know? How, how should we prepare for Jesus' return? And that's my question for you. What are some things that you think we should do to prepare for Jesus' return? Anybody, what do you think we should do? Reach the lost. Reach the lost. What else should we do? Strengthen our faith. Those are good. Any other thoughts? Strive to be more like Jesus. Yeah, those are great. I mean, those are, right? I mean, there are, look, the thing that we're not supposed to do is just go sit on a hillside and say, well, if he's about to come, I'll just wait around. First thing we want to do is get our own hearts ready. Get, our, get ourselves ready, right? Earlier, I mentioned that the Jews would blow the shofar every day throughout the month of Elul in preparation for Rosh Hashanah. This was time set aside for people to evaluate their lives. We should be evaluating our lives. And identifying areas that need attention. So, part of what we should do is we need to take time for some self-reflection. Right? What, what are we holding on to? that we need to turn over to God. What are we not trusting God with in our lives? What is it, what is it that would make us more like Jesus? What, what needs to either be stripped off or added to that would help us to be more like Jesus? Um, what issues are in your life that you need to confess and repent of, that give over to God? We... We want to get our hearts ready. And so we don't want to put that off. We want, to, we want to do that now. We want to be getting ready. Second thing, this was said, is we ought to help other people become followers of Jesus. I mean, if we really believe that we're in the end times and we really believe that this day is coming, whether it's this year or next year or even in our lifetime. Second Peter 3.9 tells us that the Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. Part of the reason for this time, the church age that we talked about, that, that 
that verse that stands between the others that, that, that allowed for the gleanings to be shared. There are people that still need to hear that, to know about Jesus, and we have a responsibility. So how do we do that? Well, it could start, make a list. Make a list of some, some people you know. It may be friends, coworkers, it may be family members, people you love, people who need to hear about Jesus. So make a list and start praying about them and ask God to give you an opportunity to share and to give you the wisdom when you do, right? To make some time and talk to them. Ask God to open a door for you to speak to them and to be bold and share the love of Jesus with them. And the third thing, finally, kind of ties into this, but it's to stay busy until he returns. Luke 19, 11 to 13, talks about uh, Jesus was telling a parable. He said, while they were listening, he went on to tell them a parable because he was near Jerusalem and the people thought that the kingdom of God was going to appear at once. But he said, a man of noble birth went to a distant country to have himself appointed king and then to return. So he called ten of his servants and gave them ten minas. And he said, put this money to work, he said, until I come back. Now we know the rest of the story, and some did and some didn't. But do you understand the direction? This is Jesus, and he's actually talking about himself, and he said, put the money to work. Put, hey, I've provided gleanings for you. You have been allowed an access to the word of God and the hope of salvation, and you have it. Put it to work until I come back. Clearly, Jesus was telling his disciples to stay busy, telling people the good news of the gospel until he returns. So like I said earlier, it, you know, this idea of I'm just going to stay home and wait because Jesus is coming is not supported by Scripture. So anybody that tells you that's the plan, don't listen. We were, we were told to be busy. We were told to be busy. And anybody that tells you that they got this secret knowledge, this new calculation that will tell you exactly when Jesus is coming, I'm going to tell you right now, they don't know. Don't know. Because God doesn't tell you you can't know the exact day or hour as a joke. I mean, let's take this seriously. So let's not be fooled. We've all known people that have bought into those things and have sold everything and gone somewhere and done, you know, have, have lived unlike we're called to. They did not stay busy until I return. So you know that anybody who gives you information or wants to tell you something that would lead you to a behavior that's anything other than stay busy till I return is giving you false teaching. So, the real checking question for you and me, who have been blessed by access to the gleanings and now know the truth, is just simply this. I think we would all agree, one day Jesus will return. Okay? If, if we're already gone at the time, looks like we get to go first. <laughs> okay? <laughs> That's okay with me. That's okay with me. It's probably okay with you. But if you're still alive, which means you're going to go on the second bus, 
Okay, it's still a good ride. Okay, then the real question is, when Jesus comes back and you're there, what's he going to find you doing? What will you be busy about? So, as we get ready to close today, if you would, just stand with me. If you can. Those of you that are watching at home, uh, stand up if you can. If not, you do what you can, but join us in this. And I just ask you to take a moment, and I want everybody to just bow your head, close your eyes. And I've got two questions for you today. Number one, if you're willing to commit to examine your own life for anything that doesn't please God and then give it over to Him, whatever it is, if you're willing to examine your own life, ask God to reveal to you anything that you need to give over to Him. If you'll commit to do that privately, raise your hand. And amen. Amen. Hands down. Second, if you're willing to commit, and this is the hard one, so think about this. If you're willing to commit to stay busy, helping others become followers of Jesus until your call to heaven or He returns, raise your hand. Amen. Amen. Lord, today you've seen our hands. And Father, for those watching online, you've seen their hands. Lord, we commit, Father, to, first of all, examine our own lives. Lord, because we do want to become more like Jesus. And Father, just like Jesus, we want to stay busy about your work until you call us home. So, Father, now we thank you for your word. We thank you that it's true, it's reliable. We can, we can place our faith and our trust in it. And we commit our lives to you now in Jesus' name. Amen.